You're listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Hey, good morning, Faith Church. Uh, We're excited to be with you this morning or this afternoon or this evening or weekend or whenever it is you're watching this uh, opening up God's Word together. Uh, Pastor Jeff is back and back in action like the widow's son that we're about to hear about. Uh, he's getting back to feeling better. So, Jeff, uh, how you feeling? You back to 100%? Uh, no, uh, not 100%. But uh, what is this? this is day five uh, with no fever and I think day nine since symptoms started. So okay, okay. Uh, definitely getting there. CDC says uh, I can leave quarantine. So now you're getting to see me in our sunroom instead of my sick room. Awesome. Well, you've been working hard this week getting your sermon together uh, for the morning, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Though, of course, anyone who's watching this uh, from home can tell we're, we're not at church sitting across the table from one another. Like you said, we're recording this over Zoom, trying to maintain a bit of that social distance everybody keeps uh, talking about. So yeah, you've been fever-free for five days, and uh, now we're just kind of waiting to find out if Amelia and Isabel are uh, getting this as well and, and uh, playing it safe until, until then. So connecting like this. Um, so why don't we get started? You're leading us through Luke chapter 7, uh, the story of Jesus encountering um, death itself. And uh, I'm excited for what you prepared for us. Let's, let's go. Yeah, thanks. Um, obviously, we're in really unusual times. And uh, I was thinking a little bit uh, in the context of the interrupted series and in this passage that we're going to look at about uh, another uh, really huge kind of uh, crisis, traumatic event in uh, our nation's recent history, although it was really kind of more regional. Uh, many of you remember in 2005, Hurricane Katrina uh, swept across uh, the Gulf Coast, uh, inundated, overwhelmed the levees in uh, Louisiana and Mississippi, uh, rising floodwaters, uh, forced people out of their homes. Uh, the, the city was impassable. People were trapped in the Superdome. And uh, there were these heartbreaking interviews with uh, people begging for uh, help and food and, and images of people standing on top of their roofs, uh, you know, begging for helicopters and boats to come save them and uh, people having to break into stores to find food for their families. Uh, and, and in the middle of all this crisis, uh, President Bush cut his vacation short uh, to return back to Washington. And on his way back, uh, Air Force One did a flyover of the area. Uh, and some of the press took pictures of the, this grim, serious-looking President Bush uh, gazing out the window at just the utter devastation below. Um, the, the problem with that was uh, for a lot of the people that were affected, it felt like that was sort of a picture of President Bush's distance from the pain and the suffering. Like he's up at 10,000 feet and we want someone who's down here with us. Uh, in fact, uh, it, it was so significant that uh, there was actually a live fundraising telethon uh, to help the victims of Hurricane Katrina. And uh, Kanye West was one of the hosts. And on a live broadcast, he said, George Bush doesn't care about black people. Uh, I, President Bush was uh, really deeply hurt by that and said it, it didn't reflect his true feelings. Uh, but for a lot of people, it, it expressed what they were feeling. Uh, they, they really just wanted to know that their concerns mattered, uh, that he understood their pain, that, that he was in it with them, and that he was doing something about it. 
and that's what really grabbed me remembering this story about what's going on now and and then this passage Luke 7 um, all of us I think fundamentally want to know that somebody understands what we're going through that they care and uh, that that our pain maybe even touches them in some way and, and that they have some some kind of response of, of being engaged um, that, that our pain matters and sometimes uh, maybe we've all felt uh, something like that, uh, that we've been ignored, that we've been forgotten, uh, that, that nobody cares or is doing anything. And sometimes maybe we can see ways that we're the one that has ignored or forgotten or walked past or been untouched by other people's pains. And I just thought that those really seem like uh, relevant issues in the middle of uh, a pandemic with uh, a lot of fear and uncertainty and, and pain and stresses and uh, and, and people who are anxious. And, and Jesus is the one who models for us here in this passage how to relate well to people, especially those who are hurting, uh, those who are alone, uh, those who are anxious. Uh, so that's uh, sort of the, the background, at, at least as I saw it, for uh, this passage with this uh, widow and a funeral in Luke 7, where uh, Jesus uh, is interrupted by and ultimately interrupts a funeral. Yeah. Yeah. So this is taking place. We, we call this story like the, the widow of Nain. Uh, right. Cause it's taking place in this little, little, it's a little town, right? Nain. Uh, a little town in uh, Northern Palestine originally, uh, I think s settled by the tribe Issachar. It's interesting in, in the Hebrew, the word, uh, it sounds like the word for pleasant. Uh, and, and uh, the old Testament tells us it was a pleasant land. Uh, but of course it feels anything but that. Uh, for this widow today. Um, so it, here's the background. This woman's uh, only son has died, obviously. That's that's the context, immediate context. And it's not the first time she's had to bury a loved one. Uh, the, the text tells us she's a widow. So she's buried a husband and a son now. And in a culture of close-knit families, th that means a life now of social isolation, which, again, we can relate to. Um, it also meant uh, because you know there were no government programs, uh, Medicare, Social Security, anything. Your children were your retirement plan. Uh, so the loss of this son means uh, financial stress and, and maybe poverty. Uh, and then there was this expectation or understanding that uh, the, the premature death of a child uh, meant somebody had done something wrong. Uh, God's punishing you uh, because of some sin. So. Uh, Likely that the town gossips are wondering, you know, what's wrong with this woman? What did she do wrong to bring this on herself? So there's probably some shame uh, and uh, again, social distancing uh, that's been happening. So she's like a, she's a bereaved, bereft, financially insecure social outcast. Um, yeah, it sounds pretty familiar, right? Something that's, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so as this procession is uh, winding through the streets, uh, you know, again, culturally, there, there would have been paid mourners and musicians and uh, a big crowd of the townspeople, uh, the text tells us. Uh, and then at the same time, Jesus and his disciples and a, and a great crowd of other followers show up just as the funeral's heading out of the city. Uh, and the very first thing that happens here, you see in, in verse 13, uh, is I think really significant. The Lord saw her. The, the, Jesus is not 
paying attention to the crowd. He's not paying attention to, uh, you know, the, the town gossips, what people are saying. He's, he's not noticing, uh, even really concerned at this point with uh, the dead son. He's singling out this widow in, in this mix of these two big crowds that have come together. And it's small things like that that I, that I just love uh, about Jesus that we see in the Gospels. You, you pay attention to Jesus and you notice he never loses sight of people. Uh, he's, he's always, in fact, noticing the people that often get overlooked. He's just piercing through all the noise of a crowd or all of the distractions or all the things that would get our attention and just dialing straight into one person in her pain. Um, it, it was an interesting contrast that jumped out to me because a few years ago I had read across, uh, ran across uh, an autobiography of uh, the wife of Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon, some of you may know, was um, basically a, a big celebrity preacher in a sense in England 150 years ago. Uh, I mean, he solid biblical teaching, but uh, just like super famous. I mean, the massive crowds, the, probably the first mega church, they printed his uh, sermons in the newspapers, if you can imagine. Uh, so Spurgeon is uh, really well known, and uh, his wife Susanna, in her autobiography, writes about a time that he'd been invited to go speak somewhere. And uh, she says, I, I remember trying to keep close to him with people thronging up the staircase. By the time we'd reached the landing, though, he had forgotten my existence because he was focused on the burden of the message. And he turned off into a side office where others were waiting for him without realizing that I had been left to push and navigate my way through this rough crowd by myself. And I just thought, boy, that, that sounds familiar, right? A, a large crowd, a religious teacher, and a frightened woman. Uh, except uh, Spurgeon forgets about the woman because of the message that he wants to deliver. And uh, Jesus doesn't deliver some big message. He zeroes in on this woman. Mm -hmm. uh, Susanna Spurgeon went on. Uh, she said she, she was so upset by this, she went home. And uh, she talked to her mom about it, who uh, reasoned that her husband was no ordinary man and that his whole life was dedicated to God. And therefore, she, she should never hinder him uh, with her ordinary concerns. Yeah. Uh, so eventually Spurgeon returns home after preaching. Uh, you know, where's my wife? And of course, he shows up in a state and what's happened. And, uh, and, and she's able to tell him how upset she had been. But... She says, then he repeated mother's little lesson, pointing out that yeah. above all things, he was God's servant. And I just thought, wow, that's, uh, you know, I notice how God gets dragged in there. Uh, you know, like in, instead of, instead of her experiencing God more profoundly uh, in this situation, God becomes the excuse for her husband's lack of concern uh, and, and ignoring her. Um, and it, it was kind of convicting because I just think back to times over the years where um, I can be like Spurgeon, uh, probably not as great a preacher, but, um, you know, I can, I can get impatient with my wife and my kids, you know, calling me during the middle of the day uh, while I'm at church. And, uh, you know, I'm, don't you guys realize I'm, I'm trying to love people in Jesus name? Like, I, I, this is, I've got this ministry and I'm, I'm God's servant. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it that way, at least. Uh, but sometimes, uh, you know, my words and my tone can communicate like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to be this wise, godly, spiritual leader, and you're interrupting me. Like, what, what, don't you get it? Um, yeah, that one hits a little close to home, doesn't it? 
yeah yeah that's that's a little humbling my um, my wife has said it in in her kind of typical um sarcastic humorous uh punch you in the field sort of way she asked me once if uh if she made an appointment with me on my calendar if she could have the same care and attention that i give to other people that i interact with during the day you get the sense when you look at jesus that he he never walks into a situation trying to get people to notice him he, he's never he's never like other than obviously with signs and wonders where he's trying to authenticate his his message and his ministry it's you kind of get this feeling that jesus is always looking for people to notice uh, and he, it's, he's intentionally looking for often the outcasts and, and people on the fringes, uh, the outsiders, the people that uh, other others, uh, you know, are overlooked by. Uh, so it kind of made me think, you know, what would that look like for me, uh, especially in this context right now? What, what would it look like for me to think about the people in the homes around me in my neighborhood? Uh, who are the people that uh, maybe tend to get overlooked or forgotten? Uh, you know, I've got a couple of single moms living on either side of me. We've got uh, elderly folks in our neighborhood. Um, maybe this is an opportunity to ask God to help us notice the people that, that we might tend to overlook. Uh, but, but then beyond that, Jesus does more than just uh, seeing people. He actually uh, enters, he enters into that reality with her. Uh, look, look again in uh, verse 13. Uh, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Uh, Jesus uh, sees, and then he enters our world to feel what we feel. Uh, that's what empathy or compassion really is. It's entering into the other person's experience uh, to go through what they're going through with them. Um, you know, I, I really like the work that Dr. Brene Brown has done on this. I ran across a great uh, little four-minute YouTube video of uh, her kind of summarizing some key insights about what, what makes up compassion and empathy. She talks about four characteristics. One is uh, perspective taking. Uh, that is that I see things the way other people do. Uh, then second, I avoid passing judgment on them for seeing the way seeing things the way they do, which, which is difficult if, if you like being judgmental as much as most of us do. Um, then third, it's recognizing the emotions that other people are experiencing. Uh, and then fourthly, it's, it's not that you have to feel those things, but you're able to uh, communicate or echo back or share those emotions with that other person. Uh, she sort of summarizes this and says, empathy or compassion is feeling with people. Uh, when, when someone falls down in a dark hole, she says, they say, hey, it, it's dark, it's, I, I'm stuck, I'm overwhelmed, and, and empathy is seeing that person in trouble and being willing to step down in the hole with them and saying, uh, I know, I understand, you're not alone. Which, of course, is totally different from, different from standing at the top of the hole and looking down and saying, oh, man, that, that's a bad hole, all right. Boy, that's a shame. Uh, or uh, conversely, you know, like trying to minimize their pain by saying like, oh man, you know, people are in a lot worse holes than you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of the, I read a couple of years ago, the letters of Abelard and Heloise. Um, Abelard was a, a, a monk, Heloise was a nun, and they shouldn't have uh, 
written love letters to each other they did and abelard starts out the story he's like hey i'm writing this to you whoever this person he's writing to because i heard that your life is bad and i wanted you to know it's actually not that bad because listen <laughs> to my story uh let me tell you what happened to me because of this uh relationship and it's like that's not that comforting and you know jesus jesus here doesn't say like man you, you think you've got it bad uh i mean all my friends are going to abandon me I know what I know what real social distancing is like. You, your son is going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die for your son and for you. Mm -hmm. You know, like he doesn't. He he sees this woman's grief. He acknowledges it. He, he accepts it, and he's even willing to enter into it with her. Because see, look at this mm -hmm. uh, detail here in verse 14. He he's moved with compassion, and he comes up and he touches the the bier or you know kind of the the coffin, the funeral. The thing the guy is buried in. Yes. Uh, that, the that, they're, that they're carrying the, the out. Box. Yes. Yes. Um, the that's reason a big that's. Bono, right? The, like, you the don't reason, do that. Yeah. The reason that's significant is because being around a dead body brought ritual pollution. Uh, the woman herself was already ceremonially unclean because she'd obviously been with her dead son. She was with him. And in touching the, the beer, in, in touching the coffin, Jesus takes on that pollution himself. He, he literally enters into her outsider status by stepping up and, and placing his hand on that coffin. He takes on her status as an outsider and enters her world. And when we really love people well, we are willing to enter their world and, and to try to feel some of what they're feeling. And so for me, it just it raised some really good reflective questions. Whose pain am I touched by? Uh, Whose who's suffering or loss or hurt uh, moves me? Um, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, obviously, with uh, a lot of social isolation, uh, loneliness, um, job uncertainty, uh, financial stresses, family stresses. Um, and, and there are ways that we can enter into other people's struggles. Uh, again, by noticing or looking at for the people, looking for the people around us and thinking, I wonder what they're going through and being moved by compassion enough to, if nothing else, at least ask. Uh, I think you mentioned uh, recently, Joey, that uh, for, for the first time, maybe in a really long time, it's not weird to ask your neighbors, like, how are you really doing? Uh, like what's what's going on in your world? How are you feeling? How is this affecting you? Uh, so the one thing the pandemic has provided is an opportunity to actually care and express empathy in in meaningful ways. Uh, to ask people, are there ways I can help you? Uh, can can I do anything? I mean, and, for the first time in forever, I'm about to break into song. We're going through the same thing, right? We're all the crowd. Right. Right. And, and Jesus is looking right. through the crowd to each of us in our pain, seeing us and feeling along with us, just like he does in this story. I Those are really good thoughts uh, about what, what would it look like to actually enter into other people's world. Then ultimately, not even just to empathize, but uh, to, to, so that Jesus sees and he sees us and, and he helps us see others and he helps us feel uh, and and care in the way that he cares. 
but then he also does that ultimately to offer um, real hope uh, to, to do something about it, uh, because that's what love is. Love sees and it feels and, uh, and, it, and it acts. Because uh, it's, it's one thing to feel, it's another thing to do something about it. Look, in, look back in verse 13. Uh, the Lord saw her, he was filled with compassion, and he said to her, do not weep, don't cry. Uh, he, he feels her anguish, he enters into it, but he's not lost in it, in other words, because he can see a bigger picture uh, beyond the immediacy of, and the reality of this uh, loss or pain. Um, you know, I, I thought about that, you know, oh, don't, don't cry, it's, it's going to be okay. Uh, remembering back when our kids were little, uh, we used to play all kinds of, you know, wrestling, rough and tumble games. Um, they, they loved, uh, the three older ones would try and gang up on me and wrestle me to the ground. And uh, th then we had this other game where I would sit cross-legged on the floor. And, and then I would call their name and say, like, Jacqueline, come here. And, you know, she's like six. And she comes running at full speed to try and knock me over. And, uh, you know, and of course, in the middle of that, in any of those things, sometimes knees get scraped and heads bonk. And, uh, and, and one or more of us would start crying. Uh, and and I, would try and, <laughs> I would try and tell the kids, don't, just don't, don't cry. Don't cry. Mom, mom's going to hear. And then we'll be in trouble. She won't let us play anymore. Uh, yeah, this is exactly right. Uh, you know, partly, partly it was not wanting Amelia to be uh, upset at the ridiculous shenanigans we were pulling, but uh, I wanted to tell them it's going to be okay because it really was going to be okay. Uh, and, and Jesus knows that this woman has a reason to hope and not just to weep, but because he, he doesn't just enter the woman's world and touch the coffin. He says in verse 14, Young man, I say to you, arise. And then the dead man sat up and began to speak. And, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. I mean, that's just amazing, right? What, what do you do with that? Um, the, the crowd, uh, it says, is seized with fear or uh, awe came over them, uh, some translations. And, and they glorified God. Uh, they, they began to uh, praise God, saying a great prophet has arisen among us. Yeah, he doesn't have to appeal to anyone higher right. to borrow their authority to get the action accomplished. Right. He is the authority over death uh, itself. Ex exactly. And, and of course, you can't miss the parallelism here. Uh, I mean, one, uh, you know, most of us are probably going to be listening to this on a Palm Sunday and the, the connection to another procession uh, that, that Jesus is leading. Um, but death is kind of hanging over both of those, uh, right? Jesus knows why he's going to Jerusalem. Uh, and, and it's not to be the conquering king. It's not to fulfill everyone's plans and desires and hopes. He's going to suffer and die, yes, ultimately to defeat death. And, and that's what we're supposed to see in this story too. Uh, Jesus sees, Jesus feels, and Jesus acts. He acts to bring hope. Um, and I think that's really uh, for us. I mean, we need to hear that, uh, especially in this moment, uh, but then also to really ask, how is Jesus using me to bring hope to the people around me that I want to see and care about? Because I think there's a, a couple of temptations um, when, when we're facing uh, people suffering. Um, you know, maybe we can be in a rush to get them to stop hurting, uh, you know, and, and slap a Band-Aid on something that's really uh, profound, maybe because we're uncomfortable. Uh, 
Uh, and maybe sometimes out of being uncomfortable, we don't, we don't say anything. Like we either want to rush them past the pain and the hurt, or we just, we sort of sit silently and oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to promise too much. Uh, I don't, I don't have a solution. Uh, I don't, I don't want to, you know, say, get people's hopes up for something that isn't going to happen. Uh, but Jesus really does give us reason to hope in, in the middle of all the grief and the loss and the sorrow. Um, and, and it's not the promise that uh, there's not going to be any grief or sorrow. Uh, because, you know, again, there's only three people in the New Testament that Jesus brought back from the dead. Uh, there, there were a lot more than three dead people in Israel, I'm pretty confident. Um, he raises this widow's son, he raises Jairus's daughter, and he raises his friend Lazarus. Uh, so the message is not that following Jesus means, hey, great, all the problems are going to be solved, and Jesus, Jesus didn't feed all the hungry people in Israel. Jesus didn't open the eyes of all the blind people in Israel. Those are signs that are meant to authenticate who Jesus is and also to point us to what the reality and the presence of God's kingdom looks like. Uh, that, that we're heading towards. The, the proper response here is uh, awe and a glorifying God, and then telling people about the power of Jesus and, and the hope that he brings. Because, you know, finally, this report about him, and we don't know if it's about the man or about Jesus, but uh, maybe both, uh, the report about him spread through the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. And if anything, that's also a takeaway for us in, in the middle of this pandemic, that there's a mission in our neighborhoods and in our homes to see the people that we're surrounded by who are fearful, who are discouraged, who are maybe hopeless, uh, and be willing to step into that with a message of hope and confidence and joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's obvious all the things we built for ourselves are not sustaining yeah. us through right. this. I mean, I, I think of pre-COVID-19 and all the, uh, the ads about uh, sign up for Netflix and Disney Plus and all this stuff, and you'll never be bored and you'll always have something to watch and all that. And yet right. I'm seeing in my neighborhood more families than I've ever seen before going on <clears throat> walks because it turns out right. you can only entertain yourself for a limited amount of time before it's just redundant and boring and you want right. more. Right. You want something right. bigger and better. Right. Yes. And the hope of the gospel, the reality of mm -hmm. uh, who God made us to be in relationship with him and others, all of that is coming to the surface now because so many of the, the props and the distractions are being taken away. Um, and, and that's what I love about this, that Jesus is here showing us uh, how to really love people well in the middle of crisis and loss and grief and in, in the face of even death, that, that love looks, love cares, and love acts. Love acts to bring hope. Uh, and that's ultimately the gospel, right? I mean, God sees broken, helpless, uh, hopeless people. Uh, he enters our world <laughs> to bring healing and hope and transformation. And, and then the people that have received that, the people who have known God's grace and hope and healing, uh, now go out to reenact that and to tell the story of it to others. Um, that's, that's kind of the big takeaway I, that I, I think really speaks to us in this moment, that love sees, love feels, and love acts to bring hope uh, yeah. for us and then through us to others. 
So it makes me wonder for myself, like, who am I seeing right around me? Right. Uh, or in my office or wherever, what am I feeling? Like, am I so overwhelmed myself or unable to draw on the resources of my identity in Christ that I just have to kind of shut down my feelings because my own anxiety is too much to feel anybody else's anxiety on their behalf. Um, but if I can, like, then what am I going to do about it? I listed off like half a dozen ideas earlier, but if I don't do any right. of them, right. So who am I seeing? What am I feeling? And what am I doing? Um, right. I'm going to have to think about that for a while. Those are yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You and you and me both good stuff to process through and thankful that we have a savior who models this for us and helps us uh, to, cause I think this is what we really want to ultimately like, we, I think we ultimately realize there is something empty and dissatisfying about just seeing or just sympathizing without actually doing something about it. And, and Jesus bringing all of those together gives us the model for not only what he does in our lives, but then what he does through us. Yeah, through us. Ultimately on the cross, like you said, yeah. he saw us yeah. in our condition, felt compassion for us in our condition, and acted to bring life through a sacrifice of himself. Yeah. And if he's done that to us, of course, he's, he's going to do it through us. Right. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, this is awesome. I hope this is really encouraging for people as they are listening at home um, in the morning or afternoon or evening or weekend, or some people are even waiting till Wednesday to worship and that's fine. Uh, whenever you dial in, we're excited. We'd love to hear about what you are thinking and processing uh, through all of this, you know, drop us an email at, at uh, care at faithliveitout.org or uh, hop on Facebook or Instagram or something and, and uh, take a picture of your family while you're uh, watching this together and, and tag us in it, Faith Live It Out, so that we can uh, see how, as we're scattered together, we're still worshiping uh, together. Yeah. yeah, drop your thoughts online. Jeff, thanks. Uh, let me pray for us and, yeah. uh, and then we'll, you know, we'll be done and we'll release, through the power of the internet, we'll release all the people watching this to go back to, to their lives. Father, thank you for the opportunity to sit down with Jeff and uh, talk through this uh, talk through this encounter that you had with a grieving woman and her dead son. Thank you that through it we we see Jesus loving, seeing, feeling, caring, and acting on her behalf and ultimately on our behalf as well. I pray that you would use us to do the same thing, especially in this uh, COVID nineteen season this story has been a helpful reminder that our, our mission is the same that it has always been, but the opportunity is perhaps even greater now um, that we get to go, go from, and even well, if we're in our homes, right back into our homes uh, in the peace that you bring through Jesus's death uh, to love and serve you and serve those around us. So we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.